Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. At the end of the day, these are human beings. So we, you know, we have to tap into what does it take to make this guy a better player? What does it take to make this guy uh, extend them long term and things like that? So, but analytics is certainly a part of it. Right, that was Dana Brown, the new GM for the Astros. I watched that press conference yesterday, Seth, and I'm thinking, man, how lucky is, is this guy? Not lucky that he got the job. He's very qualified for the job, but... As we've been sitting here going through all these head coaching openings in the NFL, you look at the five teams with with open head coaching jobs in the NFL, and it's basically five of the top eight teams in the draft this year. This is a job with the Astros, the GM job for different reasons, but the GM job during this championship window has now opened twice. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. There's part of James Click that's got to be kicking himself a little bit, going, man, what could I have done differently to where I could have... I mean, he, he, you're set up, especially Click, because it was three years ago. I mean, he was further back in the window now. Like, Dana Brown is at a stage here where there are going to be some tough moves that need to get made, and they do need to fortify the minor league yeah. system and all of those things. But, man, Click was set up for a, a run, as it turns out, and now he's fired, and here comes Dana Brown. But, man, you're taking over the World Series champs. You're, you're taking over the World Series champs, which is dicey because, just as it was with Click, you uh, will not necessarily get credit for any success <laughs> moving forward. You know, there will be some things that Click is going to be getting credit for some things, uh, perhaps with his pitching staff and, and, and others uh, for the next year or two, where it's going to be hard to actually get credit for much of this. I think one of the things that's been mentioned a few times now is player development. And the Astros, and this started under Luno, you know, Luno felt that with everybody – catching on to, you know, different methods of player evaluation that the next frontier was player development and figuring out how to make everything consistent through all the minor leagues and your international academies and all of that. Um, and the Astros have done a great job with that, but it, it, it continues to be, uh, okay, how do we find the next? We, they, they understand that they have to keep pushing the envelope in terms of being the best and being the most advanced, especially now because, like, 
it's it's not like it's been Chicken Little saying, "Hey, without draft picks and with constant success and not not selecting at the top of the first round, it gets harder and harder." That's all true. And you know, the Astros, look, the Astros, the Astros exploited a huge inefficiency with Cuban players because other teams didn't really quite know how to scout Cuban players and or were. were reluctant to be aggressive in signing Cuban players. So the Astros have done fantastically well with Cuban players, but everybody else is catching on to that too. Yeah. So you just got to keep getting, you got to keep getting better at, at developing these guys. And I think that that was something that's been mentioned, uh, not just yesterday in the press conferences, but in the, you know, the previous few weeks, the, that, that term is brought up a lot. Yeah. Latin America as a whole, they really found some, some glitches in the matrix to take advantage of, uh, the Astros yeah. did with Luno, you know, well, the old, older players. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. Signing guy, feeling like, Hey, maybe just because a Latin American player is 20 years old, we shouldn't treat him like he's 53. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fromber, <laughs> Fromber is the rare Latin American base player. Who's going to hit free agency at like 32 years old. I mean, think about that. There are scouts <laughs> looking at Fromber. And saying, like, well, sure, I've never quite seen um, – or no, Javier would be one, too. Javier was young when he was signed, was he not? But uh, Framber, there were people seeing Framber and be like, well, I've never quite seen anything like that. But he's 19. Eh, what, right. what am I going to do with a 19-year-old? <laughs> it's guys true. Are like, are like Leonardo DiCaprio out there. It's, it's true. It's true. So um, too old for me. Yeah. <laughs> so what um, – what should Dana Brown's to-do list look like here as he takes over the Astros organization? He was asked yesterday about it, and he's saying, look, I'm just going to – he's got to get to know everybody in there, um, you know, get to know the staff. Talk to Dusty was his first order of business. Chris Young of the MLB Network did a short list of things that he would recommend Dana Brown take care of, and one of them was taking care of maybe the greatest Astro of all time. You have to re-sign that franchise player. That franchise player that I'm speaking of is Mr. Jose Altuve. He's been the face of the team for years and years, continue to go out there and dominate. As soon as you feel like his game is regressing, he steps up and has arguably his best season yet. So Altuve has two years left on his deal. You have to look at it and say, okay, how can we keep this guy for the rest of his career? You have a mutual interest with both of these guys, with both sides. Altuve probably wants to be an Astro for life. So how do you do that? Okay, for the next couple years, he has 20-plus on the books. Let's go ahead and try to extend that at least another four years, in my opinion. I'm not sure if that gets him, but how can we keep him till at least age 38 season? Let's try to make that happen. Yeah, here's what I think Dana Brown is going to find out, especially as you pointed out more so the last few years than the first few years of this championship window they're in right now, Seth, is that there are certain deals and certain players that are going to naturally, the the momentum of those deals are going to just naturally and intentionally probably to take place a level above Dana Brown. Jose Altuve's eventual contract extension will be a Jim Crane deal. Like that, yeah. that's, Verlander was that way. Altuve is that way. Um, it's been that way out of necessity for the last couple of months because they've had no GM. Crane's been doing all the contracts and things like that. But Altuve is one, especially as he gets older. I just I felt this way about Verlander and I was wrong, but I still feel this way about Altuve. Altuve is a guy who Jim Crane is not going to let finish his career in another uniform, even if it's an overpay. Well, with Altuve, I don't want to say it's easier, but he's already demonstrated that he's willing to you know, re-sign with the Astros ahead of schedule. And I, that was one of the things I think I'll, um, 
you know, when when people start to worry about various Astros players leaving and and who their agents are, you know, Altuve's agent is Scott Boris, but Scott Boris works for Altuve, and Altuve was just simply never going to test free agency. He, I think, he just likes being here, and there's a certain reciprocity between those two. Now, I guess, do the Astros? Do you want the Astros though to become a cutthroat enough organization that at some point they? You know, they become the Patriots and they make the hard decision on L two V. No, not, no, I don't. <laughs> I mean, I, I want them to be that way ninety eight percent of the time. Altuve, Except for Altuve, Altuve is the two percent. Yeah, I'm, I'm dead serious. Like I mean, I, they push, they shoved Brady out the door before he was actually. You know, he obviously still had Super Bowl caliber stuff in him. Yeah. Um, but the it was easier for Belichick to think that uh, Brady was the problem, and you couldn't build a team around Brady, which was nonsense. I'm because um, they actually spent as much money as Tampa. In free <laughs> no, they did. They they spent they like crazy. Yeah. Um. Uh, no, I I am I, I am a big subscriber to the get out a year early before getting out a year late on players, except for Jose Altuve. Yeah. He's my favorite Houston athlete of all time. I don't want him to play anywhere else. It's purely emotion for me. Sean, this is a, something that nobody wants to talk about because they won't even let themselves consciously admit it to themselves. Um, the greatest advantage the Astros received from the being better than everybody else scandal was certainly not in performance on the field. Uh, if anything, the advanced stats show that by the time the rest of the league got wise to what was going on, it actually hurt the Astros that were still trying to use it uh, late yes. in the season that year. You yeah. know, it was uh, so. Um, I think it's. I think it's going to help with some players, uh, in, including like Lance McCullers, who's not. Uh, you know, obviously didn't partake in the scandal, but Lance McCullers kind of like you know took the stance same as Correa of us against the world and and I think also with Lance's injury issues I think Lance is mature enough to realize you know what I got it pretty good here and the community loves me I love the community and I'm not going to find this elsewhere I think if they look and they watch what, what it's like for Springer up in Toronto what it's been like for Correa elsewhere you're not going to find that same level of just a kind of mutual admiration between the city, the organization, and yourself as you will elsewhere, which at the end of the day, money is the biggest factor. But when it comes to signing guys before free agency, I think the Astros have a bit of an advantage because of the scandal. I think I think guys like Bregman, I'm watching him up there be the MC of the Houston Sports Award the other night and treating the inductees with the utmost respect and kind of just... I, you know, I think really like trying to become a part of the community over yeah. the last few years. And I feel like at some point Bregman is going to make a decision, but he's not going to push it all the way to free agency. And, and he'll do something that's because he knows it makes sense for him in the long term. Yeah. He knows that there's been something special here. I, I, and, I, and I think to that end, I think Correa regrets his decision to not take the five year deal at this point. You know, he overplayed his hand. I think Correa would have been an icon here if he had stayed here. You know, just an, an, an absolute icon, and that's that's kind of what that's kind of what the, the guys you're talking about. That's what they're going to become if they stay and finish their careers here. Um, I didn't hear the whole cut from Young where he was listing a few things for Dana Brown. The one thing I would say is a bigger priority than Jose Altuve. There's probably a few things that are yeah. a bigger priority than Altuve. This whole Kyle Tucker, Framber Valdez, Christian Javier arbitration era that we're entering here, yeah. or in the case of Framber, we're already two years into it. Figuring out a long-term solution for those three guys, especially Tucker, 
is to me yeah. the priority. Uh, this is what he had listed. He okay. he found comps from Atlanta. He said, okay, so Dana Brown comes from Atlanta. This is what they did in Atlanta to try to retain some of their guys. Um, Olsen for Atlanta got an eight-year, $168 million deal. Okay. He thinks Bregman would be a, a, a good fit. For, he's got two years left on his deal. Okay. Do you give Bregman a – but he was spending a lot of the Astros' money pretty liberal in this, sure, liberally in this sure. segment. Um, Tucker, he compared, compared to Riley. Riley got 10 years, two, uh, $212 million. I think that Tucker, who's got three years left on his deal, would – I think he's thinking he's going to be getting a bigger contract than that. What was it again? Only, ten years? Uh, ten years, $212 million. I don't think he's – I mean, I don't think Jim Crane is in the business of giving ten-year deals, even buying guys I, I know, yeah. arbitration. But, but I'm – Right, but I'm thinking like, but Tucker also. I'm just thinking as far as that as a comp for Tucker. Yeah, does Tucker anticipate making more than that if he hits free agency? I've always thought that like the, the Jordan's contract would be a good one for Tucker. The six years, 120 yeah. mil. So yeah, like average a- AAV as Carlos likes to call it, the average annual value yeah. feels about right. I just don't think Crane's going to give a ten year deal to anybody. So I don't think it's a Tucker's bad comp. T- Plus Tucker will be. I think he's going to be 29 when he's a, a free agent. Yeah, it sounds about right. He was drafted right out of high yeah. school. Um, and uh, Pena, Pena, he suggested eight years, $72 million. Pena's got five years until arbitration. I'd give Pena an eight-year deal if yeah. I were Crane. Yeah, because he's... So you're tacking on an extra three years of control over him? That would make a lot of sense yeah. right now. Pena, go ahead and here's $72 million, young man. Do you want to take it? I'll remind you. Now, the big thing with him is if you extend him an extra three years, he's already older because he went to college. And he's, that, then you're really – he's not going to get a, a likely a, a real big contract after that. No, but what was it again? Eight years, 72? Eight years, 72 million. Okay, well, Pena needs to play it that's, out. That's not even 10 million a year. <laughs> yeah, he wouldn't. Yeah. I, this guy, uh, he had a great plan for basically locking down all the Astros, but I don't think any of it uh, – looking at the sum total of it, it was, uh, it was a pie in the sky. I get the spirit of what he's saying, which is these are the guys yeah. you need to lock up. I just don't think Chris Young has done a super deep dive on what – the Astros are, and this owner is philosophically like he's just like the ceiling is six year deals. Like that's it. That's the yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter who you are. Like that's the window we're going to deal with here. All right, uh, Payne and Pendergast with you. Overall, though, Seth, I'm happy with the hire. Like I don't know a ton about Dana Brown other than reading his background and knowing that he scouted and was part of drafting the guys who finished one and two in the Rookie of the Year voting this year for the Bra- the Braves have a really good young core. And Dana Brown, I'm guessing, has been a huge part of that as the VP of scouting. I'm relieved they didn't hire Brad Osmus. That's my big takeaway from all this. Is that it, it, it started to look... Why were people so down on Osmus? I, you know what it is? It's just the optics of, of uh, Bagwell's one of Bagwell's buddies coming in who has really no executive experience, no front office. I think Brad Osmus is obviously a, a really intelligent dude, and he's been a manager yeah. a couple times. He's steeped in the game. The whole, the whole nine yards... It's just the optics of okay. Now, what are we? Are we going to bring Moises Alou back to be the hitting coach? Are we going to bring, you know, are we going to bring several of the '98 and '99 Astros back to be the scouts? You know that kind of yeah. thing. I almost, I almost felt like that was. I feel like the extreme anti-Osmus sentiment that I saw yeah. from some people was almost like a 
almost like a ricochet off of the Texans somehow, where if they've been cons- if they've been saying, well, the Texans are just trying to d- hire for nostalgia or something, and we don't want to be like the Texans, yeah. then uh, certainly we can't have Osmus. Where I'm trying to remember any – the only time I've ever been sideways with Osmus was when he called out Mariznick for barreling into a catcher who That's shouldn't right. have been in his way. That's true. You know, and I'm like, okay, Osmus, you're, you're, Osmus, you're doing what you're supposed to do is back up your guy. Yeah. But other than that, like I've never, had, I've never been anything other than really impressed by Osmus as a as a brain you know as a manager how much could he do in his various circumstances yeah yep. um and actually as a bad example by me if they hired Moises Alou as the hitting coach I'd be really stoked about that actually Moises Alou is a damn good hitter <laughs> being on everybody's gloves <laughs> but I bring up like, everybody get over here my, to my glove urinal <laughs> yes yes my glove urinal <laughs> well I, the reason I brought it up because if you ask Bagwell like who's your I, I forget how he how he categorized Alou but he's very fond of Moises Alou is like the best hitting teammate at the very least that he's had, or maybe maybe he's yeah. even said the best player he's had as a teammate was Moises Alou. Moises Alou was a he was a stud with the Strohs, man. That would be you know honestly, you thought I was joking about the urinating on your own hands thing. Um, are you are you aware of that story? About yeah, oh Moises yeah, Alou? oh yeah. Okay, okay, yeah. just checking. Yep. You gave me a I thought you gave me a look like I had screwed up again or something. No, no, no. Um, Okay, well, I'm just thinking, Kyle Tucker, you know, he does his little experiments with, with gloves or no gloves every now and then. You know, Luke could pee or no pee. a thing or two. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tucker is definitely, Tucker would definitely pee on his own hands. If, uh, <laughs> if he if felt he it, it would work, would. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, kids if that are in Little League, it's save that. Don't do that. Wait till you're older to pee on your hands before you start playing baseball. Supposedly, the, it alleviates calluses. I feel like he might have. I feel like he might have heard something about jellyfish and thought like that it must extend to to your hands too. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. All right, uh, Payne and Pendergast with you. It's Football Friday. We're going to circle back to the Texans head coaching search. In fact, we'll circle back to it in the next segment here. Brooks Cabina is in. He is in studio, baby. Houston Chronicle. He's also part of our squad here, covering the Texans Sports Radio six ten. Brooks Cabina jumps in with us. How are we feeling about the D'Amico Ryan's pursuit? And is there a candidate that is coming up fast in the outside lane? We will talk about that with Brooks Cabina of the Houston Chronicle next. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. 
Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. All right, Payne and Pendergast with you on a football Friday and joining us as he does each and every Friday at about this time. Houston Chronicle's own Brooks Cabina covers the Texans, of course, and uh, He's on here frequently with us on Sports Radio 610. Brooks, it's great to see you as always. We've got a couple uh, title games this weekend, yeah. one of which involves a lot of guys that are interviewing with the Texans right now. Yeah, yeah. Is there an outcome for this game that Texan fans, you think, are maybe rooting for, either based on liking a candidate or wanting a certain candidate available ASAP? Well, I think, obviously, you want to be able to interview D'Amico Ryans again. And prolonging that because you already, uh, they, they just want some clarity. Um, I think fans do about that. They got the best shot at D'Amico Ryan's because, you know, obviously he's starting to uh, inch towards and reports towards uh, being a favorite for the Broncos job. So I think a lot of fans that I've seen uh, interact with people are just like, man, you got to get that guy in the building, got to get a chance. And the Texans would do well to be able to say, no, you know what? We interviewed him twice. And, even though I don't know so much how much they learn more in the second go-around um, Wednesday night, hearing from the McNairs and a couple of interviews that they did, it's like, yeah, we did most of our work in the first round of interviews. The second's really just kind of, do I, do I know you? A, he called it a continuation. Yeah. And they know D'Amico yeah. Ryan's. Right. Like, that's a relationship well, they've established in some ways. I mean, they know him, but but Nick Casario doesn't. Sure, and, that's a and, good And I think point. Th- despite all the kind of speculation about Nick Casario's job security – Early on, I feel like his job is pretty secure, and I, I think the McNairs probably approve of several of these candidates, mm-hmm. and maybe now it's more a matter of just, okay, which one does Casario think he'll work best with? Yeah, no, I think that's true, and I think what also works in Ryan's favor now is Frank Reich going to the Panthers. I mean, that's somebody that Jonathan Gannon probably would have been able to say, you know what, I'll give him a call, and he might be on my list. Uh, even though there are others that he could still pursue, um, I mean, it seems like Reich coming out of the situation was with the Colts. Um, there have been other cases in the past 20 years or so where someone who's done well in the past gets a job immediately and he's on board there. So, yeah, I think that's probably what everybody wants to hear is, you know, you get another chance to bring Ryan's in the building and talk to him. Yeah, I think whatever the path is, I think for Texan fans, whatever the path is that gets you to D'Amico Ryan's the fastest is yeah. the one they would root for. Now, you've done some research, as mm-hmm. you are wont to do. You do a lot of research on different coaching backgrounds, experience in coordinator roles, and how that's played into success over the last several years. Yeah, I mean, the last couple of years, you've seen the Texans hire David Culley and Lovey Smith. Both coaches had a lot of of, of life. Um, obviously, Lovey Smith had more head coaching experience. David Culley had none, but he'd been in the league for 27 years going in. But 
all these candidates are young in terms of their experience. Um, D'Amico Ryan's Jonathan Gannon, first year defensive court, um, defense court, offensive coordinator. Mike Kafka was in his only only been an offensive coordinator for one year. So I just got curious: does that um, show whether someone's going to be more successful or not? And um, I, that's going to be in a story that's coming out this weekend. So briefly on it, you know, I, I just thought it was interesting that uh, you know first year time coordinator, two years of experience is Jonathan Gannon, D'Amico Ryan's. Yep. It's not quite successful since 1999 okay. you, you get a lot of situations where teams are trying to break out of their ruts um chris palmer with the browns you, you you've saw him, uh you know todd haley with the chiefs spagnola with the, uh, with the rams, rams. Yeah. it's a lot of kind of fits what the texans do and all of those people didn't work out oh wow so it's not great when you look at since 1999 and that's no way to say that like oh it's going to be the same but i just thought it was interesting that you would think that one time um coordinators with one year of experience that would be Evero and Kafka, uh, that that would be bad. But those are actually the best since 99. You There's some outliers. Names. Mike Tomlin uh, was the one, that outlier. But a lot of those are situations that are nice. Um, the Packers were shifting from uh, Mike Holmgren, and then Mike Sh- Sherman came in a couple years later. He'd never been coordinator but once, and that was with Holmgren in, in, with the Seahawks. But, you know, there's other situations like Stefanski and Matt Nagy with uh, the, the Bears, Nagy yeah. with the uh, with the Bears, and they're trying to break things out. So, it it they're it, and with them they had three Super Bowl appearances, one win, and that was with Tomlin there mostly. But um, basically, is to say that even though these coaches don't have much experience, there have been a lot of hires in that way, and sure. some of them worked out really well, and some some haven't. Yeah, yeah. I, I wonder too. You brought up Chris Palmer's name. Uh, who was an offensive coordinator and and had success, but he's a guy I look at is for one, I don't think he has a head coach personality and ever did. Mm-hmm. And two, and this is the hard part, is figuring out okay which guys are actually genuinely good offensive coordinators versus which guys had the benefit of coaching good quarterbacks. You know, yeah. and uh, like Chris Palmer when he was with Brunel, um, I think was more the beneficiary of Brunel than vice versa. And I, I, that's where I get – I have a very um, – I'm very reluctant to anybody that says, well, you got to hire an offensive coordinator because you're going to have a quarterback. Like, all right, well, if he's a balls-out, awesome Kyle Shanahan type, then by all means, yes. But those guys aren't always out there. They very right. rarely are. I think maybe like four or five guys in the NFL are genuinely – good offensive coordinators that drive an offense to greatness um, above and beyond their talent level. So, and, I, and I just don't uh, – maybe Steichen is that guy, but I'm not I, – I, like there's nobody in this class that makes me feel like, well, you got to go with somebody that checks off all these boxes versus just the guy who's the best overall head coach. So that's another question that I'm interested in is like, okay, so do you – because this is the case, you have two coaches, Gannon and Ryans, both of them defensive guys, neither of them – um, you know, oriented to the offensive side that the Texans desperately need to fix with the quarterback. That doesn't that doesn't raise questions for you. Like, okay, you just need to get an offensive guy. It doesn't raise no, no, because I think that's where people force themselves right. into bad decisions. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you just if you if you handicap yourself by saying I've got to take this type of person. Like you've almost, yeah. it, it, there will be times where you corner yourself into a bad decision just by having a, a very strict artificial, um, like basic guideline that you've set for yourself. I, I look at the offensive coach 
as a tiebreaker, or if he's a genuine offensive genius and there's something special about him, like Andy Reid was, you know, that some people thought he was. Andy Reid was not a popular hire in Philadelphia at the time because nobody really knew who he was, but the buzz about him was very strong from people inside the NFL. I mean, I like, look, if you want to look at the flip flop, uh, like Kyle Shanahan, offensive coach, right? So he's going to be like Sean Payton and have awful offense defenses, but but be okay on offense. Well, actually, the last four years he's had really good defenses with the 49ers because they draft well mm-hmm. and because they create a pipeline of coaches. So I feel like a, a lot of it is more about creating a really good pipeline of coaches than it is like hiring the one guy that's the offensive genius because there really aren't actually that many of them out there. Yeah, so you mentioned Andy Reid. He had never been – an offensive coordinator before whenever he got into that situation, which was uh, uh, kind of the situation that you'd seen the past 20 years, things like Dan Campbell, Mike Munchak, those, you know, Dan Campbell might work out there, but um, others are interesting. And and that's the thing about D'Amico Ryans, too, and Gannon, is that they have to find an offensive staff member. Uh, I mean, that we we talked about this last week. I mean, who does Ryans build a a staff around? How much is left of the – Shannon handbook I know he knows a lot of other people in the league but is that a situation where you're saying okay you interviewed Thomas Brown who was you know hadn't had any offensive play calling experience yet with the Rams but is that part of the reason that you wanted to interview him are you trying to support um any of them even Gannon now that you know maybe some of his staff members that he was hoping to put on his dream list aren't available anymore yeah I think that's what's interesting about that one um because I mean everybody's pulled from the McVeigh tree it's would you say it's similar to Shanahan? I think it's pretty close yeah. anyway. Talking and about success you're, you're, you're off the street? Yeah, and, and you've got kind of a dedication to establishing the run, and that's yeah. kind of what Casario has bent toward the last couple of years. So mm-hmm. I think that's possibly interesting to, to think about. And what, what offensive pairing these coaches would have, because obviously they'd have to have it, and you kind of need a quarterback, and you got a number two pick. Yep, absolutely. Brooks Cabina in studio with us, Houston Chronicle. Meanwhile, a name we haven't brought up in this conversation with you, Brooks, is Sean Payton, yeah. who had a first interview with the Texans over Zoom. He's had first interviews with a few teams. Nobody seems to be scheduling second interviews with him. Carolina moved on. They went and hired Frank Reich. And yeah. Carolina was thought to be a possible landing spot for uh, for Sean Payton. What are your thoughts on how the Sean Payton saga has played? Do you think it's more Payton not wanting any of these jobs or these jobs not wanting Payton? See, the Panthers' situation seemed like I thought that was probably the favorite in my mind because you had David Tepper was willing to spend the money. If David Tepper wasn't willing to spend the money, then the Broncos are probably sitting there like, why? Maybe rethinking it a bit. Like, why? Why would we? Yeah. Um, so oh. what's what? what what's he the broke benefit? up with her? She looks pretty hot. What's yeah, wrong what, with her? Huh? What's going yeah. on here? Um, yeah. But and it's interesting that you know, as D'Amico Ryan's has reportedly become the favorite for the Broncos, Sean Payton took it upon himself yesterday to clear up a rumor that things hadn't gone well with the Broncos. He's like, no, I, everything went great, and I love the Broncos ownership group. Uh, it sounds like he's trying to keep his options in and maybe stir up a little bit more love than he had. So um, it's it's still interesting to me because Sean Payton obviously offers a lot offensively, and I'm uh, you know I, I I don't know that's that with uh, with that situation. But I think uh, you know if 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 they're going to have a chance at him, I still think that you would you would you would want to try. Yeah. yeah, and I guess the you know for as long as the Cowboys and Sean Payton have been linked as mm-hmm. two parties that want each other, what is there really keeping Jerry Jones from firing Mike McCarthy right now if he genuinely wanted Sean Payton? See, that's what I don't understand. Anything 
watching the end of that game, how the Cowboys played out, it's a lot of the mistakes, running out of bounds, uh, you know, decide. I don't know what you know the odds are exactly of like, going forward on fourth and ten versus believing your defense was going to get the stop within ample time, and then you're, you're stuck driving the field with 40 seconds left and no timeouts. That's that's less of a chance. All those kind of choices seem to be head coach problems. Yeah. And if he yeah. had a, a, any reason to make a fire and make a move, you had Sean Payton waiting in the wings. I don't really understand that. And then it's interesting that McCarthy said that his conversation with Jerry Jones has been good. He's like, yeah, I want you to coach as long as Tam, Tom Landry did. Really? For the last couple of years, <laughs> that's... I don't I don't see what confidence there is when you have all the pieces ready. It seems like the Cowboys should have some urgency. That one is interesting and maybe um when Sean Payton was waiting around, maybe maybe that's what he was kind of waiting for and now everybody is kind of enticed by the other candidates that they've interviewed and you know Frank Reich um I mean he's had coaching success too and um, obviously the Panthers been If McCarthy's going to coach as long as Tom Landry, he's going to need a personal trainer. That's all I'm going to say. I'm not judging. I'm a former very fat person as well. I say from experience, you're going to need to get in shape if you're going to coach 26 years. Yeah, like he reads stress. doing all right. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's, yeah, he is. I'm a little surprised. I mean, yeah, yeah but, but he's, uh, yeah, look, I don't know. I feel like with blood pressure medicine and everything, you can you could, you could extend Mike McCarthy. I may be wrong. It's just a recommendation. Life. I think he's got a better chance if he, we start talking about soda, is this the... No, 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 this is not a live read for soda weight loss, I promise you. Thank you for mentioning it, though, sodaweightloss.com. Um, before we get you out of here, Brooks, predictions for you on the conference title games this weekend? Uh, I like the Chiefs, and I like the Eagles. I think it's going to be the Andy Reid Bowl. Um, the Kelsey Bowl? I, yeah, and it would be it'd be fun to watch. I, I Obviously, Patrick Mahomes is dealing with the ankle. I think still, I just, watching the Bengals... I don't have a lot of faith in that offensive line, the way that it's worked, and the Chiefs get pressure. Um, I know that the Bengals do too, but that could rattle up um, Patrick Mahomes a little bit, but I just, I just think they moved the ball anyway, um, despite all the issues that they had offensively. And uh, I like the Eagles. I like the Eagles. Uh, their, their, their defense works really well in, in turnovers, uh, I mean, getting into the backfield and such. I, I, I just also just the offense worked so smoothly last week and um, as much as the 49ers have been playing well I, I think Purdy is in a situation where he's gonna have to make a lot of plays that uh, are, are in the face of some pretty di- big disruptions so I, I just I just feel like the Eagles are running way too smoothly at this point and I think they they roll in and uh, I'll even pick the Eagles to win I'll give you a, a, a Super Bowl a, a prediction Super Bowl already prediction all right already, well you're so. taking it out for a few weeks so there you go uh, Brooks Cabina Houston Chronicle keep it uh, keep it Locked on him throughout the uh, throughout this head coach search here at B Cabina on Twitter, and then you've got this article coming out this weekend, right? About That's all right. the research you've done. Mm-hmm. Should cool. be this weekend. Should come out uh, either later today or tomorrow. Okay, good stuff. Tom, Tom Landry coached the Cowboys for twenty eight years. Twenty eight. So Mike wow. McCarthy would be uh, in his early eighties uh, okay. sometime around then. Okay, I'm very achievable. Yeah, very yeah, yeah. Achievable I, I, we put those numbers out there with nary a comment at all. He'll be blaming officials and various assistant Look, coaches can, for decades to come. Right. If you can run a country, you can run the Cowboys. That's. <laughs> That's, yeah. So, there you go. Oh, there you go. I got you. <laughs> Brooks Cabina in studio with us here on Sports Radio 610. All right, up next, we're going to do some headlines. And um, we, uh, we've we also got uh, 
Sean Payton's possible thoughts on the Denver job via the mouth of Colin Cowherd. We've got that for you as well. Stay there. You're listening to Sports Radio 610. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast we really need new phones t-mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iphone 15s and each line is only 25 dollars a month new iphone 15s it's better over here. only at t-mobile get four iphone 15s on us and four lines for 25 bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Live from the Twin Peaks studios, Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. Payne and Pendergast, we'll get to headlines in just a minute. Sean Payton, the well seems to be drying up on Sean Payton, depending on how you look at it. Either teams are not that enamored with him or he's not that enamored with teams, but he's interviewed, he's had first interviews with the Texans, the Broncos, Panthers. I know the Cardinals, I think, had put in a request. I don't know. There's only five openings. Um, But no second interviews for Sean Payton. As we know, Colin Cowherd has been kind of Sean Payton's mouthpiece throughout all this. As Cowherd openly says, so we went out to dinner last night and we talked for four hours. Now here are a bunch of opinions that I will have and sell as mine that are probably Sean Payton's. Um, here was, here's Colin Cowherd on the Denver job. Keep in mind, a week ago, the Denver job was the job for Sean Payton. It's a good job. You fix the offensive line. You got young players there. You fix Russell Wilson. You get him to be one of the guys. And man, this is a job that not only is a great job, but it's one of those blue blood franchises. This is Cowherd saying these things. I'm paraphrasing. It's a blue blood franchise where you can step right back into TV because people want bl- people from blue blood organizations. Keep in mind that Peyton 
comes from the New Orleans Saints. Not a blue blood organization, and he's doing very well on television right now. Nevertheless, um, here is a week later now, the Denver job is apparently trash. I think Sean now, I believe he should take a year off. I think, like the Knicks job for Phil Jackson, Phil's obviously a brilliant guy, Sean's a brilliant guy, there's all these warning signs with the Broncos. Draft capital issues, salary cap, O-line issues, Russell self-awareness issues, is he washed? New owners, rich, but you don't know much about him. The GM now is semi-powerless. That last one's interesting to me, Seth. Because, yeah. look, let, let's face it. D'Amico Ryans is probably evaluating the Denver job right now as well. Yeah. D'Amico, has, D'Amico has risen to the surface here as the prime target in Denver, according to reports. And Denver people are getting very, very excited about the prospect of D'Amico Ryans being the next head coach of their team. And I think they also feel like they're fortified by a gigantic checkbook that these Walmart people have. That yeah. they, can, they can pay yeah. whatever, whatever the ticket is for D'Amico – they can pay it. Doesn't count against the cap. Scratch the check. D'Amico Ryans is the next big thing, which he may he may very well be. I, that Cowherd audio is interesting to me on two levels. One, it's the complete 180 as it relates to Sean Payton with that job, that, as you and I have pointed out. But number two, I do think those are all valid reasons he's bringing up why the Denver Broncos job is not a good job. Yeah, well, I, except the only – like, what about, what about the general manager being toothless would be bad for Sean Payton? Uh, yeah, no, you're right. Sean Payton's going to have like, all kinds no, of power. No. Yeah. Like, this is the whole thing. Like, Colin Coward, the, the, the one thing he doesn't mention in this is that he thinks Sean Payton should sit the year out after Sean Payton has not received any actual job offers. Right. Like, oh, is that right, Colin? Is that, do you think that he shouldn't take any of these jobs that he actually hasn't been offered? Like, what, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah. They go, oh, no, she's, she's not good enough for you, even though she doesn't want you at all anyway. Right. right. Yeah, she's, this is, uh, uh, boy, Colin Coward is a great, uh, he is a, um, he's a great wingman in that he's going to bolster your ego after, even after the girl shoots you down. He's going to say, well, she wasn't good for you anyway. So, uh, he, yeah, like he hasn't had any job offers. So, of course, Colin Coward is going to say that Denver's no good. Of course. Um, the GM part of this, look, I think a toothless GM in Denver probably, if I were Sean Payton, would be exactly where you'd want to go because you're quicker to taking over the entirety of the operation. Yeah. I don't know that D'Amico Ryans is looking at things through that. I'm, I'm sure he's not looking at things through the same prism. I do wonder, because D'Amico's got interest in all four of these remaining openings. Mm-hmm. The GM's in these four spots. Nick Casario, in a pretty good spot with, with ownership. George Payton in Denver, probably on the hot seat right now because of the Russell Wilson deal and its yeah. new owners. Monty Ossenfort, brand new in Arizona. Chris Ballard, looks like he wants to be anywhere but in a Jim Irsay press conference right now. I'm going to tell you this, and I don't know if maybe Nick Casario appreciates this or not. Um, all of those GMs should very much want D'Amico to be the guy they work with. Just purely on, just uh, uh, put all the actual football stuff aside, but the actual working relationship stuff. So, you know, because maybe some of these GMs do prefer an offensive guy or what have you. Um, but in terms of a guy who would be 100% eager to grow with you, like, and because uh, that's like Tomiko, D'Amico's a team builder personality. Um, and a guy that, you know, without being a pushover, 
I think, wants to have a GM that's going to work alongside him and complement his weaknesses in what he doesn't know and that they can both hopefully learn from each other. Um, very much so. Versus working with a guy like Sean Payton. I give a, you know, if I, I, any GM interviewing Sean Payton or being a part of that process has got to be a little bit concerned about this guy coming in. And the, the way he's conducting himself is like he thinks – he's the the big honcho and he knows what he's doing and he's worth 25 million dollars a year very few people actually want to work with that guy with D'Amico I think if they see the potential in him as a coach I think they would very much like to work with him I'm guessing I'm guessing that they would feel the same way about Gannon and Steichen as well um just not with not with Sean Payton yep um, Payne and Pendergast, 713-572-4610. If you want to hit us with a text on the trailer, wheel and frame text page. Let's keep the head coach talk moving into headlines. Payne and Pendergast with today's headlines. Brought to you by BaywayJeep.com. All right. Um, we talked about D'Amico and his candidacy with Denver and obviously a candidate here as well. Um, the other news in coaching yesterday is that the first domino fell in the relatively sparse number of openings there are this go-around here. We're down to four because Carolina went and hired Frank Reich, which is also very funny as relates to Sean Payton because that was thought to be a potential landing spot, as Brooks Cabina pointed out in the previous segment. You got Dave Tepper. He'll scratch that check. No, we'll bring in Frank Reich, who's got ties to Carolina. He was their first ever quarterback uh, back in the day when they were an expansion team back in 1995. Um, I love this hire for one big reason. The very first coaching hire to happen is one that basically says, "Yeah, we we think Jim Irsay is a kook." <laughs> like it's it's you look at this like the the very first coaching hire in this go round is one that Jim Irsay kicked to the curb like two and a half months ago. Yeah, I mean, and if you look at Frank Reich and his stay at Indianapolis, two the two big mistakes that he made and that you'd have to own up to, I think, would be one just. You know, vouching for Carson Wentz. That's a big one. Even though he got, he got, like, if you think about the play he got out of Carson Wentz or Phillip Rivers um, or Jacoby Brissett or any of those things, I think those guys played above their expectations in, in all those instances. I guess the other thing that you could fault him for as the offensive coordinator is that, or, or as the offensive mind in charge of that team, is that this Colts offensive line just fell off a complete cliff all of a sudden. And nobody seems to be able to know exactly, say exactly why. Yeah. The Quentin Nelson part is especially curious. Um, but that's the part that I think one of the things that, one of the things that helped those offenses was they had such a good offensive line. But I, if Rake, I'm sure Reich would take responsibility for that because he's that kind of a guy. Yeah, I think any other team in the league would, should say, not maybe accurately so, but they should think, yeah, we can do a better job with Frank Reich than Jim Irsay did, and we're not going to start trying to micromanage his decisions. What do you think they do at quarterback? And by the way, as far as Frank Reich goes with the quarterback, I think that, like, like what was Frank Reich supposed to do at some point? I think he's probably got – he probably was running out of options, and he thought, well, at least – I have experience with Carson Wentz. We can try to figure something out. Yeah. Um, I don't know what they do with quarterback other than just they've bought a year of a grace period, perhaps. I don't think it's going to be Baker Mayfield, Sean. No, I don't. Well, yeah. I don't think it's going to be Sam Darnold. <laughs> I don't think. Yeah, Baker's a Ram. So, yeah. Um, you don't think it's going to be Sam Darnold? I don't know. <laughs> I think like they bring him back for a year or something like that. Just I'm not bring sure. him back and just have the you well, know, he's, tread water with him and do like a semi tank. Yeah, he was he's in his a, fifth year option last year, yeah. so he's a free agent right yeah, now. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I could see them doing something like that. They have the ninth pick in the draft. You know, they're that's not that the guy I've seen mock draft to them the most as a quarterback is Anthony Richardson, the kid out of Florida, who you'd have to have at least a one year grace period on him. He is super, that, super raw. It would be, yeah, that would be the fun thing. I, I don't know if fun's the right word, but I think you would get that grace period of a year with him. But that. That always sounds great in theory because you know how it goes with any of these any players who are projects. We all f- succumb to it when they get drafted in May. We say, "Well, this guy's a two or three year project," and then all of a sudden, when that player is an All Pro by November, um, we can't believe that Frank Reich hasn't done anything with him yet. I mean, what are you even doing over there anyway in Carolina? So I, I'm not so sure that he would be up for that. I think they would. They'd end up trying to bolster the roster, and then maybe maybe they try to trade. Maybe they make a play for Tom Brady. I you know that maybe they. Uh, I, I could see multiple non-draft options. I was just going to ask you: Does that sound like a good landing spot for Derek Carr in Carolina? Boy, I think he should. He should be interested in that. Derek Carr should. That division's not good, and Brady's right. leaving the division. It's not a good division, and Frank Reich has established himself, I think, in a lot of quarterbacks' minds as a guy that, wow, okay, this guy can uh, go and get something out of me. Matt Ryan, I don't like, nobody blames Frank Reich for Matt Ryan being washed. No, he's washed. Right? Yeah, he's yeah. just old. Yeah. Yeah. So you go and, okay, he'd be working with DJ Moore, Terrace Marshall, mm-hmm. uh, LaVisca Chenault, I guess, and uh, in, in maybe a draft pick to be named later. Maybe, or a free maybe. Agent. They, yeah. they, they, you know, they pick ninth. A, I don't know it's what a big they're step down from Devontae Adams and uh, Hunter. Yeah, uh, and, and it, um, it, it, <laughs> no, it is for Derek Carr. But just to be yeah. clear, that team, Carolina, went six and six down the stretch this year with an interim head coach. Yeah, that division sucks. It's yeah. terrible. Like they, yeah. could, they could go eight. And, Tampa Bay went eight and nine and won the division with Tom Brady this past yeah. year. I just, I was just thinking about Hunter Renfro and Devontae Adams. And I mean, we'll see what happens with Josh Jacobs with the Raiders. But there's a lot of reasons for Tom Brady to like the Raiders. Yeah, offensively, weaponry wise, I don't think they're going to yeah. win anything there. But yeah, he, he could be a fun year for him. You know, put up big numbers for sure. Um, Save Josh McDaniel's ass once again. <laughs> again, tradition like no other. Uh, you're listening to KLT KLT HD two and Odyssey Station. To the Astros we go. Uh, they hired a GM yesterday. Seth, how surprised were you when you saw tweets that the Astros had I I was like, wait, whoa. I, I, mean, I was I, really surprised because it was, I mean, it had been less than, it had been like 12 hours exactly since Jim Crane and Jeff Bagwell had said that there was no timeline. Yeah. They're just interviewing people and having a good old time of it. Yeah. Do we have that, Ben? <laughs> Can you pull up the crane? I know I didn't put it there in the rundown, but yeah, to, to what Seth is talking about here. They hired Dana Brown, the Astros did yesterday. He's a former executive with the Atlanta Braves. He's their v- was their VP of scouting. I think it's a good hire. Resume-wise, it looks like a great hire. We'll see what kind of GM he makes and how he fits in with this kind of odd structure the Astros have put together in terms of well, influence. Let's see if he can survive winning only one World Series That's right. in two seasons. That's Sean. right. Ask James yes. Click how that goes. Um, so uh, here, was, here was Jim Crane. Here is Jim Crane at the Houston Sports Awards on the red carpet. This is Tuesday night, about 14 hours, thereabouts, maybe 20 hours before uh, before they hired Dana Brown. Here was Jim Crane being asked about the search for a new GM. We're still working on it. We'll, we'll take our time, get it right. Do you have a timeline? Yeah. Not really. We've interviewed a lot of people. Have you requested permission to interview David Stearns from the Brewers? I have not. You have not? Yeah. 
What are you looking for? A good one. A good one. And he got. we'll see if he got a good one. You know, Dana Brown, VP of scouting for the Braves. So the, if you follow the awards at all in Major League Baseball, I follow the National League awards a little less closely than I do the American League because Astros. Um, but the number one and two finishers in Rookie of the Year this year were both Atlanta Braves that were brought into the organization on Dana Brown's scouting watch with the Braves. Yeah. Yeah. Here is Dana Brown yesterday on the melding of old school scouting and analytics. So I was trained by old time scouts. I mean, we, we would go out and we would follow our instincts. And at the end of the day, you, you realize you, you realize that if you don't judge yourself, you're going to be judged. So if you start making mistakes, you got to try to find out, hey, where can we cut back on some of these mistakes? And, you know, analytics came in, and there were some things about analytics that could help you narrow some of the mistakes you're making. I think analytics is a big part of it. I think it's a piece of the puzzle. We have a saying that you have to weigh all the evidence, and when you weigh all the evidence, you can uh, cut back on, on, on mistakes that's, that are made. Yeah, so I think um, that sounded a lot like kind of what Jeff Bagwell was talking about earlier this offseason when Bagwell talked about how it's it's good for some people and not for others or you got to be careful in taking it too far. I think that's a, the organization has been making that push including while Click was the GM in being more of a balanced uh, balanced between the analytics and the old school scouting and the player development in multiple different ways um, and it just it kind of paints a picture of a guy in Jim Crane who just wants a lot of different angles and perspectives and an appreciation for all of it so um, I guess this is the that's about he, I don't think that Dana Brown said anything that surprised us or anything it, it, it feels like a lot of his philosophies are in line with what Jim Crane and Jeff Bagwell have been saying yeah I think a couple things regarding Dana Brown and, and regarding this hire in general but also the not hire of Brad Osmus because Osmus's name had bubbled to yep. the surface here um, recently as a candidate, and Osmus is very tight with Jeff Bagwell. He's part of that crew of Astros in the late 90s that had some success here in the early 2000s. Um, the f- big fear with Astro fans in general with this firing of click and this period of time where they've been going with the, you know kind of the equivalent of the Texans' flat organizational structure a few years ago yeah, is yeah. it, and especially with Bagwell and Reggie Jackson's influence, two old school guys, right? Um is that, oh God, they're getting away from what made them successful. Oh God, they're not going to do analytics anymore. They're not going to use those anymore. Um, I think that's been the big fear. If they were to have hired Osmus, I think that would have thrown kerosene on those fears. Even though they would have been, I think, be perceived to paying lip service to the analytics, that they're bringing in just kind of a, you know, an FOJB, friend of Jeff Bagwell, to be the general manager. I, I This kind of balances things a little bit. And I think plays into the plays into what you're talking about, about them maybe... Not totally zagging from the zigging they've been doing, but maybe adding another, you know, adding another line of thought into how they put this team together for the next five to ten years. You know, I think another thing tier too, where it, it felt like they took forever to make this decision. I think it's important to remember that they hired James Click really, really quickly the last time. It was February third of two thousand twenty. I mean, the report came out when, Sean? It January was the, 13th was the punishment. January 13th. Yeah. So, I mean, two weeks. And now, obviously, Crane had probably a little bit of a lead time and maybe had an idea of how it was going to go. Um, but, I mean, it was it was two or three weeks afterwards that they had picked James Click. And I think that maybe 
at that point, Jim Crane felt like he'd scrambled uh, a little too quickly and, and learned more about how he might not have meshed and vibed with James Click uh, along the way. So he wanted to avoid that issue this time. So they were seemingly very methodical about it this go-around. Yeah, and I, I think it's it's... Boy, that's an interesting thing you bring up. How much lead time did Jim Crane have to know what the punishment was going to be? Or did he have to sort of anticipate what it was yeah. going to be? That's a really interesting thing that I, I've not <laughs> I've not heard what the answer to that is. Was he know? calling up Tampa and being like, hey, you guys got anybody over there? No reason. Just curious. I'm, I, might got, want, I, just yeah. might, I might want to fire the best general manager in the game <laughs> just someday, like in a week. I don't know. JIC. Yeah. You know, Luno, yeah. he's always off on these. You know, he might he might decide to go work for SpaceX or something. I don't know. I think, yeah. <laughs> right. I, uh, I think, too, it was a different structure internally in 2020. You know, there's there's more cooks in the kitchen, it feels like, this time. You know, Bagwell and Enos Cabell and Reggie Jackson yeah. didn't have the influence in 2020 that they do here in 2023. Yeah. Um, so you gotta you got to meld in with those guys, too. They, um, I'll tell you what. The one thing that Dana Brown said that a lot of people really liked was he said, that, you know, they want to be greedy for winning. And I, I think that's... You know, that's not something that they're going to have to instill. Like, Dana Brown doesn't need to come in and uh, all of a sudden teach this team how to be hungry That'd or be greedy funny. for winning. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> can, you, can, you imagine, can you imagine being a GM candidate coming in and selling them on fixing the culture? What if he came in and said, like, you know, I look around here and there's a lot that's got to change. Right, right. You're he the- did. He very much I, – I, he gave off the impression of somebody um, – including like when he was talking about meeting the scouting staff and all these other things, that he's going to come in and listen a lot and try to learn and figure out where he thinks he can help and what, like how they need to proceed. He didn't come in with any bold proclamations or anything. No. Uh, very un-Nick Sirianni-like, Sean, which frankly I feel like that spells doom. If I don't have a guy that comes in with a Nick Sirianni-like press conference, then I, I don't expect him to do much at all. Frankly. Right. The first part of being smart is knowing what to do. That would have been awesome <laughs> if he said that yesterday. Less thinking equals talent takeover. Yes. <laughs> What's he thinking? <laughs> he was thinking he's going to come in and take over with some talent without thinking. Without thinking, he wasn't thinking at all. Sean, less thinking equals talent takeover. Yeah, guys like you sitting around thinking takeover. about it. Well, Sirianni's doing. True, I know. Okay? I know. No, yes, yeah, Sirianni. He's making oh, like no. eight million a year. Who am I to say? Yeah. Oh no! Oh, we don't want to offend Carson Wentz. Oh right. no! Right. With, uh, how could you draft Jalen Hurts? Poor oh. Carson. He's going to be so upset. That's yeah. funny. Um. <laughs> Dana Brown, this is this was a good clip right here, a good cut. Uh, here was Dana Brown on meeting what he thought when he met Jim Crane. When I first met Crane, I know I was going in and talked to the owner, and, and uh, I, I saw a guy that was pretty humble. I was like, you know, he was talking about you know some of his struggles, you know, that he had even like when he was in college. You know, I mean, we talked about him being as, as a player. He's not afraid, like he said, he'll pick up a piece of paper even though he's the owner if it's if it's laying down on the ground. Um, so there were some things about Crane, and I walked out, and I said, you know what? He's a little high-strung, but I'm from the Northeast. This is going to be a perfect storm right here. <laughs> He's a little – does Jim Crane strike you as somebody who's high-strung? Probably very demanding, I would um, say. Yeah, well, yeah, I don't know. I guess high-strung maybe – yeah, high-strung might not be the word, except that I know, I mean, he is – he holds people to high standards. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I think he gets after it a little bit more aggressive. I think he's probably, and 
not a direct comparison here, but I think a lot like Gary Kubiak in that his public demeanor when he's talking to the press or anything is a lot different than when he's working with, uh, in the case of Gary, working with players, or in the case of Jim Crane, working with employees. So, um, yeah. That's, I was wondering about, when he said that first one, <laughs> when Dana Brown said that, uh, that Jim Crane opened up about his struggles in college, I was like, was he just talking about like drinking too much? That's what I thought. That's was where it, I yeah. thought he was going. I'm like, oh, are we going to get some dirt? But then Jim he was, uh, yeah, and then it sounds like they were talking about his actual baseball career, right? Which um, that's a that's intriguing because I wonder, as an owner there, where obviously you weren't a major league ball player, but you're a college player. I wonder if there's ever a party that's like this son of a bitch probably looked up my stats and my scouting reports, and <laughs> well, but now you work for me, buddy. It was interesting, you know, in the in the beginning of the press conference where Crane was kind of listing out the reasons why Dana Brown was a good hire like you know yeah. the the his embracing of analytics his ability to evaluate talent he did bring up as a selling point about Dana Brown Jim Crane brought up uh the fact that he was a player and for those who don't know Dana Brown played at Seton Hall with Craig Biggio he yeah. played a few years in the minor leagues in the Philly system he's 55 years old um so he's an older guy as far as kind of you know new hires go in the general manager realm um but Crane did bring that up, which makes me think that um, that maybe he wanted to get away from the you know the tinfoil hat types as a GM. That yeah, I want to I want to embrace the analytics. I'm going to have an analytics staff. There's going to be an analytics slant towards the way we scout players for sure. But I've really enjoyed this ethos of Bagwell and Reggie Jackson that they're ball players. And and Crane brought that up as a selling point with Dana Brown that he had, unlike Luno and James Click. To my knowledge, I don't think either played baseball at any point at a level higher than Little League. I'm not. I don't know that to be totally Wait, true. The, the two previous general managers oh, were. Oh, okay. were okay. I mean, okay. you know, Luna was a yeah. consultant in the business world before he got yeah. into baseball. You know, um, Click was a writer for Baseball Prospectus, that kind of thing. Dana Brown played in the minor leagues at one point. Crane in the uh, in the. University of Central Missouri Mules opening game of the College Division World Series in Springfield, Illinois, versus Ohio Northern. Crane struck out 11 straight batters and set the Mules' single-game strikeout record with 18 strikeouts and a 2 nothing shutout win. Wow. In 1974... Uh, or though that not, that whole team was inducted to uh, the the UCM Athletic Hall of Fame, oh. but he also okay. So this is the deal about Crane. This is crazy. Okay, he ranks uh, for his school. He ranks third in career strikeouts. He's got all kinds of other records for um, for for ERA and whatnot for his school. Oh. But and, and I lost this here. He has a record for most complete games pitched. Wow. He was a he was a horse man. He just uh, this. Jim Crane, I can see why he liked Verlander so much. Yeah. Aside from the actual performance. I think he, he looked at Verlander and he respected this is a guy that can still go deep into games. A guy that's got a guy that's got a school record for complete games pitched by it, it is it is alma mater. Uh, he, had, he had that uh, you know yeah. Do you think Jim Crane secretly bristles at how how much Frommer gets celebrated for his quality start streak? Like quality start. That's six innings. Ooh, six innings. Ooh. <laughs> I bet a little bit. Maybe. Not maybe. not in comparison him to himself, but no. you know. At least just... Fromber led the league in innings pitched, so there's that. <laughs> well, that was the um the stat that I I'm sure I'd heard before, but it hadn't I had forgotten. 
the other night from the sports awards was when they they pointed out that Elvin Hayes in 16 seasons missed nine basketball crazy. games. It's crazy. In 16 seasons, he missed nine basketball games. What the hell? It was that load managing. Yeah. <laughs> good for nothing doing all right. the time. Right. Nine games. Oh my God. Nine games. That's crazy. It's crazy. In 16 seasons. Yeah. I don't see how that's honestly even possible. Well. That's just in, in, a, in a sport like basketball. That is nuts. Yep. Yep. Wow. Elvin Hayes, he's a medical marvel, man. No doubt. The I, This is where I thought you were going because there was another stat from the Houston Sports Awards the other night that they yeah. – this one they actually threw up on the screen there uh, during uh, Larry Durker's uh, highlight video. Uh, 106 complete games for Larry Durker in his Jeez, career. That's nuts. 106. I mean, it was – obviously, it was a way more normal thing back then for good uh, pitchers to pitch a whole more game. more milk back then. 106 complete games. Yeah. Which is the same number of minutes as his acceptance speech to go into the Hall of Fame. That's why people generally uh, lay off like the whole... Well, never mind. I don't want to tie Larry Dirk into anything. Um, but as far as... <laughs> I think I feel like people are Do more it. lenient about anything ballplayers might have done for an advantage back then. Because they're like, they're pitching complete games. Like all the... And then they, they were still drinking and smoking back then, too. They were. Give the guys a break. Oh my so God. they wanted an upper every now and then. Just leave it alone. <laughs> um, the other hire that was made... Look, you forgot the one other stat. What's that? Bruce, Bruce Matthews with his, his seven kids. <laughs> just a lot of kids. That's the most, that's the most <laughs> tiring stat of all of them. They, like Chasing seven kids around, way more tiring than 106 complete games or missing nine games in a 16-year NBA career. Five of them are boys yeah. uh, who all weigh like at least 300 pounds, dude, too. Dude. So that dude, you ask why he played 19 years. Can you imagine feeding that old stable? Exactly. My God. Can you imagine <laughs> at the prices today what it would cost to feed seven Matthews kids? No blueberries in that household. No. no not no. at these prices. No, sir. <laughs> um, <laughs> bananas and I almost said eggs, but not eggs. Bananas and, and, and chicken breast for you kids. Yep. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. 
With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.